Welcome back to another episode of Who's on the Lord's Side. I hope that this episode finds you in the best of health and spirits. Today, I want to discuss God's chosen people who are the 12 tribes of Israel, or um, you could say the children of Israel. Now, God has chosen the people of Israel to be his personal representatives on earth. Now, that was the original plan. It was God's plan to use his chosen people to reveal his truth to the world, you know, and uh, and as to why it was important for mankind to follow him. Now, his chosen people were expected to obey his commandments and live as a holy people set apart for his service. Now, unfortunately, the Israelites did not always live in obedience to God, okay? And through the Old Testament, we see this just being a repeated theme time and time again. Even up until this present day, you see the same um, behavior patterns, not only with the children of Israel who are scattered. Um, they would, Some would argue that they're not, but they are, okay? And even if you didn't want to believe that all 12 are scattered, everybody knows there's still a, a, still, a, there's still a remnant are still like a like good ten of the of the twelve that are gone, you know, and in, the ones that are posing today as these so called Jews, which Jews was never a tribe in the Bible, but Judah was, and the, and they got the name Jew from there. But again, we're gonna talk about the synagogue of Satan. Um, I guess you could say imposter Jews, and just kind of hint on again God's chosen people, because while it might sound arrogant um, to those who might who might be trying to solve the mystery of who His chosen people are. Um, who they are. God left clues in the Bible as to who these people might be. Like I, I try to break down in each episode, there's different um, ways of looking at it. Uh, we looked at other resources and broke down different people's names and or the children of Noah, where they settled after the flood and how his descendants became some of the first, uh, like Mizraim became Egypt. We talked about how Cush became Ethiopia you know, um, and so forth and so on. We and, and how Nimrod practically set up all of Babylon or or Babylonia and the Tower of Babel. But um yeah, from all we see, like I said, is them just disobeying and and, and um going against the word of God and, and just not um being obedient. So I wanna talk about judges from judges to kings. So there was a time when Israel was always under bondage under a specific king. And 9 out of 10, the king or the pharaoh, whoever was pagan in nature, which means that they did not worship the true God of Abraham, Isaac, and, and Jacob, or believe on his son, the Savior, that the Savior would come save mankind. They believed on, a, it could be a, a number of trillion gods. They were polyg- um, They just weren't not of, um, basically, did not practice godly ways. So, Judges were set up over Israel only after the great exodus. So you have to remember the children of Israel had moaned and grown so long and for so long that God um, came to restore them. Now, this was already prophesied to um, Abraham in Genesis that this would happen, that there would be a time when they would go into um, slavery and it would be for 400 years. So in Genesis chapter 15, verse 13, it says, and he said unto Abram, because Abraham's name was Abram before it was changed to Abraham, know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs and shall serve them 
and they shall afflict them 400 years. They being the um, oppressors. So he was prophesying to Abraham at this point his promise for him and his seed line. Because everything what God has been doing, especially for the children of Israel, all have to do with the fact that he made a promise with Abraham a very long time ago. It's, it's, it's even said in the scripture that he called, he referred to Abraham as his friend. He said, my friend, I don't see anywhere in the book. It's so touching when you read certain things, you know, that you could understand the nature of their relationship. It's kind of like when I said when Enoch walked with God, because you're like, what? what? For he was not, because then God took him. You know, like, what does that mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it just seems like such a high prestige and such a high honor. But so, you know, we have that. But then, now that they had judges over them, okay, um, this is after the 400 years that was prophesied by Abraham that they were going to go into slavery. You had Moses come in. And then from Moses to Joshua, it was just Moses and Joshua as leaders, okay, and prophets, so to speak, and, and people to keep the law. Because that's what Moses, they, he, set out, he set out the law, and Moses also wrote the first five books of the Bible as well. And so now after Joshua's death, you have the, the rise of what you call the judges. So between after the death of Joshua, from the first judge until the last judge, which is um, Samuel, okay, you have the children of Israel being an entire nation for the first time on their own, called apart, set apart, meaning God said, you know what, not only am I going to deliver you from this oppressive nation, but I'm going to make you your own nation. You know, that was what's so great about them. I'm going to make you your own nation where I will be over you. You know what I'm saying? As far as the highest thing that you'll ever have to answer to in the nation that I have set apart for you and will create for you. Because, I'm, you know, because I made a promise to Abraham for, and to his seed for all, forever. You know what I'm saying? For in this world and the next world. You know what I mean? And that's what it is. That's why Abraham, I don't understand why they don't honor him so much or talk, talk about him. I didn't say worship. I just said speak of him. You know what I'm saying? And, 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 and as much as they speak about, you know, Noah... And what he did is, you know, as much as I feel like they should speak about Abraham, as much as they speak about King David and, and all the heavyweights of the Bible, I just feel like they should really, because it was not for his obedience or his faith, you know what I mean? There wouldn't be no promise for us to be here. And not only for the um, for his descendants, the children of Israel, through the line of Shem, you know what I mean, coming down from the 12 tribes and through Noah and all, whatever, because he came through that. But not only because of um, the blessings to the children of Israel, but blessings to Gentiles as well, so that now they too can come on and, and be adopted onto, um, onto the promise. So my point is, um, between Judges and King, they didn't have anybody to answer to. They didn't have anyone to necessarily tax them or oppress them or take their land or whatever land they had was theirs. You know, it's just, it's just very similar to after the flood when God said, you know, take, when he said, um, be fruitful and multiply, I didn't just say, just, you know, have kids. And he meant spread out, pick any place you want. The whole earth is empty, you know, practically and set up shop, you know? And so it's like, uh, you know, if I wanted to call a city who's on the Lord's side and that out, that would have been my city and it would have been a whole city and we all just erected places and stuff like that of that nature. So I'm basically saying that they had an easy life, much easier than they actually appreciated or understood. And so it came a time when after Samuel, who was the last judge over over Israel, he had two sons and the two sons ended up being bad apples. So the two bad apples started to turn off the people and they started to say, well, you know what? Your sons are bad. You know, how about we, I'm going to actually read it. I don't like to paraphrase.
Okay, Israel asked Saul for a king. So we're looking now at 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 4. And I'll just read it out loud. So this is Israel asking, asking, um, asking Samuel, not Saul, asking Samuel for a king. And Samuel would technically be then at that point the last uh, judge over Israel because his sons didn't count. So it says, then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel unto Ramah and said unto him, behold, thou art old. And thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. Okay. Then it says, but the thing displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people in all that they say unto you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. According to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them out of Egypt, even unto this day wherewith they have forsaken me and have served other gods, so do they also unto me. Okay? Now, God did say this in verse 9. Now, therefore, hearken unto their voice, meaning do as they say, how be it, he said, yet protest solemnly unto them and show them the manner of the king that shall reign over them. And Samuel told all the words of the Lord unto the people that asked him of a king. And he said, this will be the manner of the king that shall reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them for himself, for his chariots to be his horsemen, and some shall run before his chariots. And he will take, verse 13 says, and he will take your daughters to be confectionaries and to be cooks and to be bakers. And he will take your fields and your vineyards and your olive yards and even the best of them. Okay, now listen to this one. This one makes me think of the church today. I'm not trying to be funny. I know they have the scripture on tithes, but just think about it. It says, and he will take a tenth of your seed. And even if, and you see, you know, it's crazy. It says a tenth. So a tenth is always 10%, right? The federal government, I believe, taxes you automatically at 10% on your taxes. I'm pretty sure it's about that much. But even if you look at tithes, it's supposed to be like 10%. You know what I'm saying? There's always this thing about like a 10%. But it said it'll take a tenth of your seed, which I translate to 10%. I could be wrong. And as your vineyards... Anyway, the point is your king is going to come over and annihilate you. Everything that you own, that you have free will over, that you're taking for granted. Basically, God said, you know what? This really... Don't take it personal, Samuel. It's not that they are rejecting you as, because how would you feel? You know, these, these judges, which I believe was about 15 of them, and maybe 14, depending on how you feel about Abimelech. But these leaders were sent to do so much. Like, uh, I'll speak about them. Like, okay, so for instance, Israel would do evil in the sight of God, right? 
and the people would be given into the hands of their enemies and then, of course, eventually cry out to God for help. Okay, but again, they were delivered into the hands of their enemies because they were doing evil in the sight of God. It's not necessarily that God just delivers them into it, but it's a special covering that you have when you have a relationship with God and you're in obedience. And it's really not, I mean, I mean it's something that you probably do have to practice because even I'm not perfect. I say it all the time, like I'm a human being. I don't know it all, you know, but it's something that you strive for. And I say it all the time. It's a journey. It's not a destination. But, like, at the same time, I do always feel like when I backslid or was never, like, in the right place or into turning the wrong group of friends or had, like, a spiritual war coming on where I wasn't giving myself time to cover up in prayer or in studying of the word, you know what I'm saying? Or just having that alone time, private God time with God in prayer that, um, yeah, I was given into the hands of my enemies. <laughs> And would cry out to God. So then God would raise up a leader, which would be these judges. I'm trying to, you know, for some people who's not familiar with judges, and, and if you didn't need to know, you could read the book of Judges. That's what the book of Judges is about. But God would raise up these leaders, and these leaders would come up, right? And then the Spirit of God would come onto this leader. It's very similar to Moses, okay? It's very similar to Joshua, whatever. They, they had, like, powers, but it wasn't of their own. The Spirit of God would come on this leader. Right. And then the leader slash judge would manage to defeat the enemy, whoever was enslaving them or in, in or, or putting them in some kind of oppression. The greatest one of the, of all being the um, exodus out of Israel, the children of, of, of um, Israel being freed, freed from the bondage of Pharaoh by Moses, the prophet, the leader. OK. And so. After all this would happen with the leader or the judge managing to defeat the enemy and saving them out of bondage because God would send them, peace would be regained, okay? And, of course, once peace was regained, for a time Israel would do right. They would receive God's blessings when it's again only to relapse later into doing evil, okay, and repeating the same pattern um, that I just mentioned before. So once they would do evil, what, what happens? They do evil inside of God. And then again, they're given into the hands of their enemies. God would raise up and, and cry out to God in prayer. God would have mercy, raise up a leader. The spirit of God would come on the leader. <laughs> the leader would manage to defeat the enemy. Peace is regained. Okay. For a time, Israel will remember what they, who they were and, and to do right only for a short time. And then, of course, later go back to old ways. So I'm painting that picture to show you that by the time Samuel came along, you know, they wanted kings, but they should have known better just through all the oppression that they had through Egyptian kings and anybody before that in times past that, you know, the, the kingly order doesn't make any sense. So God was fair enough to say, listen, I know that's what they want, you know, and don't be offended, Samuel, because you were a good judge because it has nothing to do with you is that they're rejecting me because technically, even though God gave them judges, it was better than having a snake politician or anything like that because he had always instituted somebody that whose who's his spirit was genuinely on. He didn't just pick any old person like today with these elections when there's nobody of godly nature. They rejected me. And so, but listen, when you give them what they want, just let them make sure that they understand. So there's no trickery with God. You know, he always warns people and he always lets us know. There is no um, sneak attack, so to speak. And so they was very clear. I said, look, they're going to take your wives and daughters. They're going to make them concubines and cooks and all of this. Your sons are going to be taking up all your property that's yours, that's now tax-free. It's going to be taken from you, divided. You're not going to have nothing. You know what I mean? He's going to tax you. And, and these people still pretty much at the end of the day are going to say that they want um, a, a king over them. So it says, um, nevertheless, in, in, in verse... 
19 of 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 19, it says, Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. And they said, Nay, but we will have a king over us that we may also be like all the nations and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. And Samuel heard all the words of the people and he rehearsed them in the ears of the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, hearken unto their voice and make them a king. And Samuel said unto the men of Israel, go ye every man unto his city. Okay. Now, Saul ends up being the first king over Israel. And it goes well for a little bit of time. But then lo and behold, Saul becomes wicked. <laughs> okay. But the point is, um, this is when Israel always does it to themselves. Because you'll see here that um, they say we want a king to judge us. Why would you? What difference? The king that they get, even though it came from the children of Israel, is something different about the heart of the king. You know what I'm saying? Versus the heart of the judge. And whether you rule or judge by a king or you're judged by the judges, what difference does it make? You know, they just wanted to be like all the other nations. And here is Israel again today with the same problem. Now, like I said, unfortunately, the Israelites did not always live in obedience to God. So I just gave you the brief scenario from um, judges to kings, from Moses, Joshua to the judges up until the first king or in the last judge, Samuel, all the way up to the first king over Israel, which was um, which was um, Saul. So now in the book of Judges, like I said... There's a growing disobedience. I mean, you could clearly see it in Judges through the different Judges that they had. To me, the book of Judges is a detailed account of the failure of the children of Israel to maintain, I guess you could say, the high spiritual standards laid down by Moses and Joshua. Okay, because before that was Moses and Joshua, Moses laid down that law. You know, he was a prophet, but he laid down that law. You know, everything Moses did writing the first five books of the Bible, because he wrote the first five, everything he did was to help us understand law. You know what I'm saying? The human history and all that. Now, it says, for me, like, not only did they fail to conquer the land of Canaan, as God has challenged them to do, but they also fell into idolatry time and time again. And that wasn't the first time in Judges that they had did that. I mean, like, right after they left the um, Egypt through the Exodus, they was already doing the molten golden calf thing and melting down their jewelry. So, you know, they, time and time again, they just went into the ways of the other people. So their growing disobedience in Judges and spiritual, I guess you could say, apostasy brought on punishments um, that was seen repeatedly on various accounts um, throughout the Old Testament, which, which you know, the punishment was oppression by another, another nation. And they would cry out and they would pray and then something would happen. Okay, so that's pretty much how it goes. Again, Israel would do evil on the side of the Lord and all that. So, but there is a chosen. And I'm saying all that because I want some people who's not familiar, and it's not your fault if you're not that familiar. It's not that they talk about them that much in church and in death. And maybe some people have an understanding of who they are, but they want a bigger picture or they don't know anything at all. But again, like I said, it's a repeated cycle of um, disobedience, punishment. Um, I guess you could say repentance or prayer repentance and then God coming to save them. Them doing good for a little while, just a short time before they go back to the mess up stuff again. So, 
Yeshua, or what y'all refer to him as Jesus, but I'm going to do a whole episode on why that's not his name, why Jesus is not his name, why you got to stop saying that, why the Bible says, you know, there's only one name that saves and you can't be calling them all these different, you know, we got to, we got to figure that out, what to say, that's why sometimes I just say the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and his son are the Savior, Messiah, or they say Yeshua, Mashiach, which is um, Yeshua, which really was Joshua translated, so whatever Joshua they say, is, is that's what they say, okay, we're going to do the study though. So when he came, though, when it was time for him to do, you know what I'm saying, to find, you know, the, the, the big um, showdown with the cross and dying for our sins, he called the Jews of his day when he came. He, he said that um, they were of the sin, that they were not of Abraham's seed spiritually, that something had happened in them that had changed and no longer made them the ones that uh, was truly of the seed line who was circumcised of the heart. And in, in Revelation 3 and 9, you have the words of Christ in red there. Because the, the New Testament, all the four Gospels, I think a little bit in Acts. You don't see that much red in the Bible, but definitely in Revelation, he comes back and talks more. I always like to focus on the words in red. We're going to do a whole thing on the words in red and to break down what he was saying because he didn't come here for no reason and there's so much message there. So in Revelation 3 and 9, it says, um, Behold, this is the words in red, so this is the words of the Messiah. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not. But do not lie. Oh, excuse me. But do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet and to know that I have loved thee. This is him talking to um, the true Israel, the bride. Okay, because he's saying and letting us know there's a synagogue of Satan. That's why you don't just study the words of Christ in the, in the first four Gospels. Wherever you see read, you, you read it. But he's saying right here. There's a synagogue of Satan which say that they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Okay, and he said, Behold, he will make them come and worship before our feet and to know that I have loved thee. Okay, and it says, Because thou hast kept my word and my patience, I will also keep thee from the hour of temptation that shall come. And it just goes on with more prophecies um, concerning the final days. But at the end of the day, there are some fake children running around here. It's amazing how... Um, the Bible prophesies, and I'm going to get to Deuteronomy 28 in a second, that um, this would happen, that it would, we would be scattered and lost. But for some reason, they seem to be the only people that's supposed to be fitting the people of the book. But so, for, for, well, for whatever reason, they can trust their, trace their ancestry down, not only up into the Holocaust and the little genocide that they went through, which I'm not laughing or saying that that was something that, you know, was... <sighs> you know, something that you should just be passive about, but it's nothing in comparison to the um, transatlantic slave trade and other situations concerning like the Native American genocide, which that's who the children of Israel are. It's the Native Americans, it's the Latino people, it's even Asian people of color, and um, of course the Caribbean people and the islands and in all the islands. I mean, any island that you see there, and of course the Native Americans. I mean, Manhattan here in New York, was of but the Manhattan Indians. The Manhattan Indians was a dark people, you know, and then the, they they came in and they brought uh, the man the 
island from the Manhattos. That's why they still call it Manhattan. Okay, and all over New York, especially on Long Island, is nothing but a bunch of, you know, Massapequa and, uh, you know, even the, the, the high school district near my area, Sawanica. That these are, these are Native American because they was here, you know, before the white man came, but they wasn't just this uh, yellow-skinned people. So, yeah. And then I looked up the word Jews because I, like, I figured, like, you know, the Jews is not a tribe. I know it comes from the term Judah, but when I looked at the word Jews in the Greek original, it came out to be loipoi, which means which means remaining ones, others, which remain remnant, residue, or rest. That's all it simply meant. And then it said also it could be loipol, meaning um, remaining time from thenceforth. And then lastly, they had um, that was the first term that they used remnant to describe the Jewish religion or the so-called Jewish faith today, though. Not to say that of the time, it was today. So, you know, when I'm looking at that, I'm like, that says a lot, too, because, I mean, to me, I just pretty much see that it just said remaining ones, the other ones which remain, the remnant, the residue, the rest, you know, remaining time from thenceforth. That's what it would read as. So then it just says, lastly, why would the Greek have three different translations for one word? The last one they have is um, Idumaism or Judaism which Judaism wasn't really a religion at that time. That's what I'm trying to say. Like, all these religions came after. So it's kind of like they just started to use that term to describe the Jews of today, which is how the people got stuck with them saying, oh, well, then technically these means these are the remaining ones or the others which remain, the remnant, the residue, or the rest. But they don't fit the prophecy of Deuteronomy 28 which is a clue of who the children of Israel truly are today. So I wanted to talk about Deuteronomy 28 today, but I'm going to take a break and then I'm going to come back after I regather my notes and we're going to talk about um, Deuteronomy 28, God's chosen people, the 12 tribes of Israel or the children of Israel, Israel being Jacob. See you after the break. Okay, we're back from break and I'm here with uh, Deuteronomy here with Deuteronomy like it's a person I'm at Deuteronomy chapter 28 and I wanted to talk about the uh, one of the biggest clues as to who the children of Israel are going to be based on one of the major prophecies and one of the biggest warnings that was given to the children of Israel concerning their their expected obedience to God, okay, um, by choice, but, you know, whether they chose to or not, you know, the consequences of um, them not obeying and then the blessings or the curses that would happen if they did not follow the commandments and the blessings that would occur if they did. So chapter 28 begins with the blessings of obedience, and it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do all his commandments which I have commanded thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. Okay. Now, this portion includes the blessings, okay, and the curses, like I said. But um, the blessings in verses 1 um, is a big one right there. It says that, I will set thee on high above all the nations of the earth, meaning the greatest nation. To this day, 
this world have not seen no nation standing as great, mighty, or proud, or, or powerful. And it's not on their own accord. It was because God was with them. You know what I'm saying? And God is the all-powerful. He is the only true God that there is. All-powerful, all-knowing. Don't tell me about electricity. Don't tell me about any of that. That's God. Math is God. Everything is God. You understand what I'm trying to say? Molecule. I don't care what you named or what you called it. It's God. He was here first. He always have been, always will be the Alpha and the Omega. Okay? When God is with you now, you know what I'm saying? Even whether you know you're a child of Israel or you're not, even if you're a Gentile adopted, it is the same concept. When God is there with you, but he doesn't just come. He, he covers everybody. He looks out for you. I mean, even though he doesn't love um, the sin, he loves the sinner, so to speak, okay? But he's always looking for us to obey. It's like whenever I'm in accordance and lined up, that's why I feel like I know <laughs> my blood. I'm, I did a DNA test. I have a good percentage of how much of me is sub-Saharan, how much of me is European, and then there's a 2% that's kind of unknown or some other thing, which I think is, I don't know. I'll talk about that on another day, and I'd encourage everyone to do the same. I mean, if you're just curious or whatever, but I never am, I, without the word, I am nothing. You know what I'm saying? Without reading the word, I am nothing. Without God, I am nothing. I've tried to do it too many times on my own, and it just doesn't work right. You know what I'm saying? I think that's something that the children of Israel and people of the world who follow God and fall off know every now and again, but the greatest nation on the earth. And you want to know why they sacked Israel. You want to know the children of Israel. You want to know, you want to know why they sacked Jerusalem. And you want to know why they scattered the nation, the greatest nation. I mean, you couldn't do nothing. You couldn't touch nothing. A nation, biggest, I guess you could say, ah, goals in life would be like to be that nation. Like if you want to talk about, you think the greatest nation in America, in the world is like America because they seem like big brother. They're always going in to help solve problems. They're always sending troops or whatever. But the point is, you know, even Americans who are brainwashed, they feel like they'd rather be here with big brother who has power and all that than to be this, but that's not a godly nation. So even though on your dollar bill or whatever, it says in God we trust, you have to see that God is a title. I wish everybody would understand that God is a title, just like pastor is a title, just like um, Esquire for a lawyer is a title, just like um, doctor is a title. You know what I'm saying? Doctor who? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he's a doctor. She's a nurse. Nurse who? Nurse, nurse, um, nurse Patricia. You know what I'm saying? Which nurse? You know what I'm saying? Which doctor? Which pastor? So we say God. You know, so what you're saying God, first of all, I'm just hearing the word God. Do you mean God little G? Because God little G is automatically a fallen angel. That's a demon. Or do you mean God capital G? You know what I'm saying? Which is the one true God, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So you got to ask people. That's why when I talk and I say God, some of you getting caught up because people are like, oh, yes, God. And some of you, you know, you're getting caught up. Some of you see memes out there and people saying, you know, prayer. Work. Don't you know some people are praying and not praying the right way? They're not praying God. They're not praying to the God, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You know, um, witchcraft and, and, and spells is considered prayers to some people as well. Chanting and meditation is considered prayer for some people as well. You know what I'm saying? Spelling the casting spells as well. So the first thing he said is, I will make you, ascend you on high above all nations of earth. And all these things, I mean, all these blessings shall come on thee. And the blessings will overtake thee if thou shalt hearken unto my voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall thou be in the city. And blessed shalt thou be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of thy body, and the fruit of thy ground, and the fruit of thy cattle, the increase of thine kind, and the flock of thy sheep. 
Blessed shall be thy basket and thy store, meaning your business. Blessed shalt thou be when thou comest in, and blessed when thou. When I mean you don't wouldn't worry about nothing, not a hair on your head. The most supernatural, most blessed covering. I mean, it's not even something that you should push so far, and you know that they should have never, and they didn't. You know those who were in the covering. You talking about Shem, Noah, and all of them? Why they had long days of life? You want to talk about why Enoch was translated? You want to talk about why Moses didn't die? We're gonna talk about that in another episode because um it's early Shabbat. You know Shabbat is Friday night into um Saturday evening, which is why Babylon is the great harlot in America. It's terrible because they make Friday night into Saturday night, the party nights. I mean, Saturday night, if you want to go out, I guess if you want to go out, you know what I mean? Because the Sabbath is Saturday, but it starts at sundown. You know what I'm saying? So sundown, if everybody's doing the, all the sitting on the Sabbath into early Sabbath morning, and then, you know, all into Saturday into early evening, people are doing stuff too. But blessed shalt thou be in the city. Then it says... The Lord shall cause your enemies that rise up against you, that, that, that rise up. The Lord shall cause thine enemies that rise up against thee to be smitten before thy face. They shall come out against thee one way and flee before thee seven ways. The Lord shall command the blessing upon thee in thy storehouses. And in all that thou settest thy hand unto, meaning everything you touch will be blessed, will prosper, will go through, will nothing fall. Not even if you was, even if you wouldn't even a grain of damn rice wouldn't fall from your hand if you cooking. That's how real it is, you know. And he shall bless thee in the land which the Lord giveth thee. The Lord shall establish thee a holy people unto Himself. As he hath sworn unto thee, if thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God and walk in his ways. And the people of the earth shall see. And they did see. I wish everybody could understand how great. That's why I don't understand if the church is really teaching, teaching how they're supposed to. Why don't you talk about Israel? Why don't you talk about Abraham? Why don't you talk about these people that's missing? Why don't we talk about it at all? Why have I been on the church since I'm a little girl? Into my thirties, and it didn't take until I until I read and started studying myself, and only because I had a strong desire. I was tired of playing, and I wanted God so much. But I knew that it, you know sometimes I was skeptical, but I knew also that I was raised right. There was never nothing in me that said He wasn't real. I just didn't. I just didn't. I didn't have the connection. I didn't understand. It got to be that I really started to seek His face. That's why I'm saying when they say seek His face, or when they say my people suffer from lack of knowledge, the way the Lord has helped me to understand or read the book is um, a blessing like no other. But he says, if you could keep the commandments of the Lord thy God and walk in his ways, and all the people of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of thee, and the Lord shall make thee plenteous in goods, in the fruit of thy body, and in the fruit of thy cattle, and the fruit of thy ground, and in the land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers to give to thee. The Lord shall open unto thee his good treasure, the heaven to give the rain unto thy land in his season. Okay. <clears throat> he, the Lord, in verse 13, I skipped down a little bit, says that he will make you the head and not the tail. And thou shalt be above only and thou shalt not be beneath. If thou hearken unto my commandments, the commandments of the Lord thy God, which I command thee this day to observe and to do them. Okay, and thou shalt not go aside from any of the words which I command thee this day to the right hand or to the left. 
to go after other gods or to serve them, which was Israel's biggest blasphemous thing that they did and they love to do continuously on and off in the Old Testament. They ain't no wonder why we all, they got scattered. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't like it was a joke. It was nobody trying to be funny with them. It just they had a habit of doing it. They knew it. You know what I'm saying? But they chose, like everybody chose till this day, to, to go after other gods. I mean, I hear people today having the, the biggest damning thing I feel is going around today is this false thing of that I am my own God. This law of attraction to me is nothing but faith defined. Oh, if you really focus on something and you want it bad enough. Faith! But they got the nerve to give something something called faith, and then they're gonna have the nerve to call the universe. Hello, what do you? Who? What universe? Where? Let me tell you something. Think of every folklore and story you ever seen concerning black magic. Think of any type of way that you've seen it, even on shows with comedy shows where somebody get hypnotized or something. What happens? They cast the spell. They do the hypnosis. The thing works, right? For like five minutes, and then what happens? Something always goes wrong, right? There's always some kind of black magic thing that goes wrong because it's never natural. It's never never right. So to speak, okay. Now, <clears throat> that's just like how it works with um this. So I don't want to get off track too much because I wanted to go into the consequences of disobedience now and finish off with um chapter twenty eight before I get sidetracked, and then I'm gonna close out with some more thoughts and then some article that I have to share with you all. Now, it says these are the consequences of disobedience, right? Now, immediately, I'm just going to skip, not around too much, but I want to skip to verse 16 through 19. The first thing it says is, Cursed shalt thou be in the city, and cursed shalt thou be in the field. Cursed shalt thou basket be in thy store, your business and your, your pockets, cursed. Cursed shall be the fruit of your body. You can't produce fruit. Maybe you fer- infertile. You know what I'm saying? Maybe you don't. The fruit of your land, what crops, you know, the fruit of your kind, meaning now your cattle can't even produce for you to get more cattle for you to make more money to sell or to eat. Okay. Cursed shall thou be when thou comest in and cursed shall thou be when thou comest out. You cannot get a break. You can't get a moment's rest. Okay. They said the Lord shall send upon thee cursing, vexation, and rebuke in all that thou settest thy hand to do. Meaning everything you touch to do is going to bring you some kind of turmoil, pain, heartache, or some kind of grief. Okay? They said until you be destroyed and until you perish quickly because of the wickedness of your doings whereby thou hast forsaken me. The Lord shall make the pestilence cleave unto thee. Meaning that curse you understand how you know sometimes you walk around come on what races come we gonna talk about this you walk around you just feel like can't get right it don't matter what you do good times somebody hello somebody good times was a perfect oh i don't want to talk about good times good times was the kid it was nothing they could do even when Thabba married the damn football player and then he was gonna get married what happened he, he came in the house and he was walking i think they came in front of the wedding he bust his whole knee up they thought they was going to get ready to get Now, you know, it was very depressing. But my whole point is the struggle, okay? There's a struggle. The Lord shall smite thee with a consummation and a fever, and with an inflammation, and with an extreme burning, and with the sword, and with the blasting, and with mildew, and they shall pursue thee until you perish. Okay, then it says, now this is 23 down is when they start talking about some signs about who these people are. It says, And thy heaven that is over thy head shall be brass, 
and the earth that is underneath thee shall be iron. So now when the, when during the transatlantic slave trade, they were put in some kind of, they weren't free. They were laying down like in these, um, you see how it says the head shall be brass. Like when they looked up, it was like a metal. And on top of them would be like another slave with another contraction. And then beneath them was iron. So that's how they were transported. So it said your heaven that is over you will be brass. And the earth beneath thee shall be iron. Either way, that's, that sounds like a bondage. The Lord shall make the rain of thy land powder and dust. And from heaven shall it come down upon thee until thou be destroyed. Now look at this. The Lord shall cause thee to be smitten before thine enemies. Thou shalt go out one way against them, and thou will flee seven ways from before them, and shall be removed into all the kingdoms of the earth. Now listen to that. So the Lord will cause you to be smitten before your enemies, that thou will go one way against them, meaning we're all going to go out together to fight them, but we're going we're gonna to flee seven ways. That's something that scatters. <laughs> You understand what I'm saying? That's something that got to scatter. Now, I'm not clowning on anybody, okay? But for people who have who have ever had roaches or have ever seen a house that have roaches, right? What do they say? Like roaches when the lights come on. You ever heard that saying? You turn the lights on, if there's a really big infestation. There's no order in which way these ninjas run. I use my language, but there's no order in which way. These roaches run out. They don't single file and they get a leader or anything like that. That's not what happens. They scatter. <laughs> and it seems as if, because, you know, you start to you start to jump too. You don't know which way they're going because <laughs> they scatter. They don't flee them from you from like seven ways. Okay. And this is, this is going to be when the enemy comes. They say, and thy carcass shall be meat unto the fowls of the air and unto the beasts of the earth and no man shall fray them away now this you can watch a lot of youtube videos if you really want like a better breakdown of this but verse 26 will be a reminiscence to when they were lynching and burning people and swinging them in the trees and billy holiday had a song called strange fruit strange fruit growing from the cotton trees now that was about watching dead black fruit growing around they said the crows is coming and they picking at them and it's the same way like if they just beat you there and leave you there and the thing they no man was going to come fray those beasts away and the beasts of the air i mean the fowls of the air and the beasts of the field would eat them the lord will smite thee with the botch of egypt and with the emeralds and with the scab and with the itch whereof y'all cannot be healed the lord shall smite thee with madness and blindness and astonishment of the heart if you read half of the um, Negro stories, I mean, just watch 12 Years of the Slave. Yeah, I'm talking about 12 Years of Slave. That was 400 years in Egypt, the children of Israel. And then it's going to be right here a little later on in Deuteronomy 28 that he said, you're going to go to Egypt again by, by means of ship this time. How the hell? They didn't never go into Egypt the first time through ship. You didn't have to do all that. You know, it might have been a river or something, but you didn't really need a whole ship. You know, like a ship is something different. You know what I mean? Like compared to like a, a little rowboat, okay, or anything like that. And it said, you're going to go far, far away. So it said, you shall grope at noonday and as the blind gropeth in the darkness and thou shalt not prosper in thy ways and thou shalt be only oppressed and spoiled evermore and no man shall save thee. So it says that um, they're going to work all day long and not prosper in their ways. That's a slave. Because then it says, thou shalt betroth a wife and another man shall lie with her. You will have a wife. This is how bad it's going to get. You're going to have a wife, but another man going to sleep with her. Let's think about this. Let's think about 400 years of the transatlantic slave trade. 
And let's think about all the Negro movies that we don't watch and we've been trained to watch as the only history you've ever had. And I don't know, for some reason, you have to understand, they, they don't seem to keep talking about all the other slaves ever existed. They just want to keep reminding black people that you wasn't anything. And I told you, it's not just black people, it's Native Americans. And just because you're black don't mean that you're an Israelite either. You could clearly be a child of Ham. You know, that's a whole nother story, too. You could be, you could have been in the line. It don't, it don't have to be that. That all is different. Okay. But my point is, um, when we're going back to this betrothing a wife, what happened? Master used to come in and he'll sleep with your wife. Why Master going to sleep with your wife right in front of you? If I remember well, I believe it was Queen, Alice Haley's Queen, or... And it was Roots. It was one of them. I just remember that the girl was so young and um, her mother, she was crying. And her mother, because Master said, listen, bring that little girl to my tonight. And so she had to take her daughter and walk her daughter up that was crying and, and tell her, stop crying. And, and, and you just got to do what you got to do. And when she opened, Master opened the door, she had her head down because she was ashamed. She knew as a mother, this is ridiculous. But what to do is either she going to be killed or her daughter is going to be killed. So when it says right here, I mean, you don't see that today. I mean, you go, you go and say, you, you, you go and say it was cheating, but that's not what it meant. It said you're going to build a house and you won't live in the house. Hello, people been to built the White House. People done built the railroads and you know what I mean? Stuff, black people are, 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 are freaking uh, slaves in the Caribbean, Hispanic people as well. Come on. How much stuff they done built up during that time. They couldn't even eat it. In Haiti, we got this thing called on 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 the first day because Haiti was the first uh, freed black, for uh, first freed black republic, with by Toussaint Louverture in eighteen o four, and so one of the main things that the slave owners used to eat all the time while the slave was used to pick all this nice squash, it was this thing called soup jumu, a good nice rich hearty, um, nice coloury just squashy soup with a lot of vegetables and it was very delicious and they couldn't eat it this is what slaves did slaves did this a lot they were starving and they were eating scraps but all day long not only is they picking cotton for massa but they growing crops for massa they, they, they can't eat a bite okay cooking food for massa they can't eat a bite okay they're going there they're working and building houses for people beautiful breaking their stuff down to the bone they all in a shack probably ain't even big as as as, as, a, as a as a toilet pot a, a, a you know a trailer trailer party thing a porta potty thingy and you know they can't live in it okay and then it says um and thou shalt not dwell in and thou shalt plant a vineyard and shall not gather the grapes thereof okay it says the ox will be slain in front of your eyes and thou shalt not eat of it thine ass shall be violently taken away from you and you shall not be restored to it okay anything you have pretty much your sons and daughters shall be given unto another people and thine eyes shall look and fail with longing for them all the day long, and there shall be no might in thy hand. I will read that again. Your sons and your daughters shall be given unto another people, and thine eyes shall look and fail with longing to see them. Now, who remembers that movie, beloved? I, you could think about a thousand Negro movies. You know, they always use the Negroes when they want to talk about slaves. I, I can't use another one to reference it to you. But what happened? Oprah Winfrey killed the babies, right? Because Master was coming. She was tired. She killed them. But she was tired of doing that. So she decided she was going to decide something. She was going to decide that her kids wasn't going to be nobody. So she killed them. It was a very sad story. And then one of the daughters lived. And then supposedly another one came back. Repossessed. I don't know. Whatever. Okay? But the point was there was very heartbreaking. And the mother had to even do that. Lose her mind that way. All because Master was always coming to get them kids. And you couldn't do nothing about it. It's the same thing with Roots. You got Roots. And Kunta had Kizzy. 
And they took Kizzy. They took Kizzy for a while. They didn't know what Kizzy was. And they didn't see her for a very long time. But then eventually, I think that she got back up with her. But that's what happens with what they do. And as you know, Kunta, they took him from home. He went out to go get some wood that day in Africa, whatever part he was in. He went out to go get some wood because he wanted to make a drum for his brother. And while he was out, the white man was there. And he saw that they had him in chains and by the neck and these things. And they was all walking and looking, trying to tell him lay low. But somebody saw him and they took him. So his family never knew. They, they had to come to put two and two together that he got taken. But to imagine see your son that morning and then next thing you know, he got took up and took off away. And there was nothing they can do. They was long in all them years. You know, they wouldn't no might in their hand. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got to paint the picture of what this is talking about, you know? And so as we go on, I don't know that I'm going to read all of it. You should definitely take a look. Um... At uh, 28, because there's a lot it goes into. They said, The fruit of thy hand and all thy labor shall a nation which thou knowest not eat up. It will eat it up. All the fruit of your hand and all your labor is another nation, another nation that you don't know of is going to eat it. And you shall be only oppressed and crushed always. Always. What race? I mean, ain't nobody just, even if you said white people had some points in there, but not always stepped on their neck. So that thou shalt be mad for the sight of thine eyes, which thou shalt see. All right. Now let me see. Now this is verse 37. And thou shalt become an astonishment. <laughs> Look at, that's how they be looking at black people. <laughs> A proverb. And a byword among all nations, whether the Lord shall lead thee, thou shalt carry much seed out into the field, and shall gather but a little in, okay? Because the locust will consume it. So even though you're going one step before, sometimes you feel like you're going a hundred steps back. And so, now 45 is going to tell you in the middle of all of this why this is going to happen. Moreover, all these curses shall come upon thee. And shall pursue thee and overtake you. The curse is going to overtake you. Pursue you. So you can't even run away from it. Until you are destroyed it says. Because thou did not listen unto the voice of the Lord thy God. To keep his commandments and his statutes which he. It's the Bible is very simple is my point. It seems as if. You know what I'm saying. It's just like regular parents. Behave. You be the behavior or you misbehaving. Okay, and it's not even to be funny and to control something because, you know, God is the ultimate parent, you know, the ultimate form of love. So there's nothing that he's trying to tell you that's to hurt you. It's the same way if you have a kid and you're in the right mind and you're raising them. You're not telling them. They look at all your rules and your guidelines like you hate them or you're trying to steal their fun. I don't have children, but I know because I was somebody's child. <laughs> and even though I'm 30 something years old, there's still time 33. There's times that she still treats me like a child. So I know what it's like to feel, but you can't, you know, as I gotten older, you have to come to understand they're trying to keep you safe. You can't keep people safe without having some kind of boundaries and limitations. Even when you're at work or something, there's always some kind of safety guidelines. There always have to be a guideline somewhere. It doesn't matter if it's God guideline, the law of this world guideline, but there's always rules. It's even when you kind of go light something, they're going to tell you, well, make sure nothing's flammable, make sure you don't smell no gas. There's always some kind of rule somewhere and procedure or protocol, and it's usually to do things safe or the right way so that everything goes smoothly as possible as can be as a guideline or as a roadmap for that things don't go wrong and that's what God tried to do but it just seemed like more and more and more people don't listen but like I said I learned things the hard way I hope others too 
And so it says, you will serve your enemies. And in verse 49, it just says, the Lord shall bring a nation against thee from afar, from the ends of the earth, as swift as the eagle flyeth. I just thought it was weird how it says eagle. A nation whose tongue you will not even understand. A nation of fierce countenance, which shall not regard the persons of old, nor show favor to the young. Meaning they're so ruthless, this nation that's going to come from afar. This nation is coming from so far, you've never even seen it. Meaning this ain't no Moabites and no Hittites and no Jezusites and all of this. This some other nation. This ain't no Babylonian. This some other-ish. And they're coming. And they're coming fast. Okay. As, and what do you think? You should have seen. If you watch the movie Kunta Kente, you're going to see how. I mean, not Kunta um, Shaka Zulu. You'll see how the white man is snuck in. You'll see it. Talking about as swift as the eagle flieth. A nation whose tongue thou shalt not understand. They didn't understand each other. A nation of fierce countenance which shall not regard the person of old or of young. They're not going to have any mercy. And he shall eat the fruit of your cattle, eat the fruit of the land and all of that. He'll besiege you at the gates. I mean, they're coming. The ops. Which ended up being the what? For three, four hundred years? And lastly... It says, I mean, if you keep reading, it says so much more. I don't want to keep reading. It says, and the Lord shall scatter thee among all people. This is this is already prophesied. That's why by the time the Messiah came and, and Matthew, when he hit the ground, it was already, he didn't even, he said, I come from the lost sheep. <laughs> I come from the children of Israel. Like, <laughs> you know, the Gentiles can eat as well, but, and like the woman by the well, you know, or when she was by the well or when he was by the well, the woman came. But my whole point is, he, he, he knew. He, did, you, he, did you hear him say he came from this, she went to this tribe, and he went to that tribe? Hell no. As a matter of fact, half the place he was at was nothing but pagan people. That's why he sat with the publicans and the sinners and the taxpayers and all I mean, the tax uh, collectors and all that. And they kept saying that, why would he do that if he's a Messiah? But the point is, it was well understood that they were scattered. Now, Judah might have still been around standing somewhere in his day. But the other 11 to 10 to 11, they were gone. They were scattered about. They was hiding in sub-Saharan and all of that. You know what I'm saying? And he's just like, look, all right, let's get this done. And that's just that. So, And lastly, the last verse that really hits home in Deuteronomy 28 is verse 68 where he says, And the Lord shall bring thee into Egypt again with ships by the way whereof I spoke unto thee. Thou shalt see it no more again, and there ye shall be sold unto your enemies for bondmen and bondwomen, and no man shall buy you. So, okay, and that's it. That's what you got for Deuteronomy 28. Now, you suppose this whole, this whole scattering isn't just to mean scattered about as in you're gone. When you think about scattering of a family, let's think about scattering of any family, whether it's... um. Somebody passes away and this kids get split up or family gets split up or somebody passes away and the family gets split up. What happens? You lose who you are, right? Now, if a child is adopted, right, and you don't know who you are, I feel like one nation, there's only one race of people that's really 100% feel like adopted. We're orphans. We don't know who we are. I mean, Hispanic people, they can say they have a history, but as far as they want to go and even feel good is to say there's a white Latina or something like that. But that still implies that uh, you want to embrace your white side, but your white side was your oppressive side. You know, you got to understand that all of these islands was built off from the backs of slaves for 400 years. This was a money-making industry by the Dutch, the Spaniards, the French. You understand what I'm saying? And I guess you could say the English at some point too, mostly the Dutch, the um, English, the French, and so forth. 
okay every even to this day you still got uh, the united nations and all these white nations in africa that's how you got people like charlie saran still coming out here looking white as hell talking about she's african i mean yeah i guess by the flag but no not really it's just because they're still there but you could imagine what it was like back in those days where they literally had whole plantations set up where masters lived there they didn't just go like just like christopher columbus was over here and then he would go back home kind of like he had like he had two houses sometimes he'd be here in a medigo and then sometimes he'd be back over there with the Spaniards to try to tell them what was going on. Then sometimes he'd sell back and come over here for like half a year or a year and then go back over there. It was the same thing. But, um, yeah, so I want to talk about that because you got to understand that there's a lot of fake people running around here. You can't say that you are the people of the book and say that they, they, there you are right there. You don't need to look anymore. Now, let's say, let's just say for argument's sake that these so-called Jews today, which the Lord already said, I read it to you, that there is a synagogue of Satan that's running around here talking about that they are Jews. You have to remember, most of the churches that was built today was not built by a single Israelite um, child of Israel descendant. Most of these churches built up today are built by Gentiles. Okay, that doesn't mean anything bad. It's just to say that that's who started the church. It's <laughs> just Gentile people. We didn't start the church or the children of Israel didn't start the church because we was not around. Okay, and then of course, like I said, the fake Jews of the time, even it's right there in Revelation, you know, that um, they are going to be made to bow down at the feet of the true ones. You want to hide that then. That's why the ones that do say that they are the ones why I think they go so hard to follow all the holidays of the book and make sure that they eat all these clean diets. You, you know, people might laugh at them. Maybe their parents might be funny with their clothes, but all that, every single holiday that they celebrate, and I'm going to do another episode on that between tonight and tomorrow, because it's Shabbat, like I said. I like to, I'd be trying so hard to do more during the week, but I know for a fact I'm trying to keep Shabbat holy and more, better, and practice so it's good for me to come in. Um, I wanted to get a head start this Friday because it's not sundown yet. It starts at sundown. But I wanted to do that this weekend as well. Talk about the holidays. Why we should not be celebrating Easter. Why we should not be celebrating um, Passover. Oh, not Passover. We, we should be celebrating Passover. Why we should not be celebrating Christmas. Um, Thanksgiving. There's, there's a worldly Thanksgiving. Even that we're not really supposed to do. You know, I know it seems like it's a good thing because you're just being thankful. But believe it or not, Jewish people have, I mean, or the children of Israel have their own Thanksgiving. And when you think about the commandments and what he's asking you to do, I mean, I could read them off real quick for you guys, which I'm sure you already know. But let's, you know, how many of us really just listen to it? But it seems like, and anywhere, anything that proceeds out the word of the mouth of God or a prophet, which is a direct message from God, is technically considered a commandment. But let's go to Exodus 20. That's where you can find. And then we're going to talk about, I'm going to, oh, that's what I'm going to do too. I'm going to talk about clean and unclean foods. I'll do that. I'm glad that God is giving me ideas because sometimes I don't feel, I feel like so blocked. It's like I have so much in me, but then when it's the right time to talk, I'm like, why don't, I can't put it together. And this one was supposed to be really brief. Every, every episode I try to do is supposed to be brief. They always end up being long. I don't know. Okay, Exodus 20, the Ten Commandments. And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Okay, it's literally Egypt represents bondage. So for him to say, we're going to take you um, by way of ships again into Egypt. Talking about from this, from this far, far nation that's going to come across. Egypt represents bondage. Thou shalt have no other God before me. Thou shalt make... That's, um, thou shalt make Unto thee, thou shalt not make unto thee any engraven image or likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. 
Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the inequity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generations of them that hate me. Some people don't even know they're under generational curses because of some stuff their ancestors did mess around with a bunch of pagan stuff. Sometimes you just got to get your life right. That's why um, Jesus said, I didn't come here to, he said, I came here to divide. I hear the, the, um, the mother from the daughter, the father from the son. You don't remember he said all that? And I was like, whoa, what does he mean? See, you see, he always said all this controversial stuff. That's why I'm going to, I think I'm going to talk about him start to, because he's such a major discussion or a topic. I'm going to try to start talking about him this weekend and the stuff he said, because um, that's what he meant, because he knew that there was going to be in certain households, everybody's going to be divided in religion. He's going to have parents that try to raise their kid up into the word of God, the true word of God, the logos of light. You know what I'm saying? And tell them about the good news. And then you got some people whose kids is going to grow up and went into atheism or went into Islam or went into something else. You know what I'm saying? And um, now this divides the people. You know, I don't care. It's the same way you can't talk politics at work or school. It's the same way you can't really, you know, maybe you can't because now you, you got clashing ideas. Some people start getting disrespectful and stuff. It doesn't work. So when you got Yeshua coming in and you start talking about do I believe on him or do I, do, do I not believe on him, there's some people like um, Abraham who really grew up in a pagan household that worshiped more than one God. Okay, they believed in worshiping statues of wood and stone. Don't laugh because the Catholic Church has plenty statues of stone. Okay, like honestly, when you go to these Madame so um whatever museum with these wax celebrities, that's a that's an that's an that's an engraven image that is an idol. Okay, the cross is something that you're not supposed to be having in your house, let alone a depiction of a Jesus that you never laid eyes on that you should have never engraved. Some of these things they're asking you not to do. That's what I'm talking. About. That's why I'm going to break down Ten Commandments as far as like how we could probably get some blessings back into our life because it's really not that hard. You shouldn't have anyway. Okay, to worship the cross is to worship an electric, lecture to worship the electric chair or lethal injection. And the reason I say that is because, first of all, it wasn't a cross, it was more like a pole or a stake. And they said that the hands was more or less over the head, not on the sides. You got to do some research. Second of all, the cross with the T is a pagan um, symbol. You could go look back, look that up and go look at the history of the cross and see why it's a pagan symbol. God would have never told you to worship no, no cross. And then the second thing is um, it was used as a method of capital punishment in that day. So what you have when you have Jesus dying on the cross with the two, what they say, it was two thieves, right? One thief believed on him. He said, as of this day, you come in with me. You have eternal life. All your sins have been forgiven thee. The other one said, please, if he was God, he'd take us all down from here and all this. And he, he didn't, you know, he didn't go or get eternal life or whatever. But why would Jesus be standing next to two thieves on the same? Because all of them was technically tried as being criminals. So this was just a capital punishment day where they just so happened to have three that just so happened was going to get capital punished on the same day. This is why when they said to worship the cross, I mean, why would you want to worship something that where somebody, I mean, worship the fact what the, what the act symbolizes or not worship, but honor it, you know what I'm saying, and, and, and reflect and move accordingly, but at the same time, you know what I'm saying, it's just like, you know, nobody would just get an electric chair and start. I mean, I'm just saying that's what they was at the time. They'll tell you these things when you look it up, so don't make no graven images of anything. It says, um, thou shalt not bow down thyself to them or serve them. I read that already. Then it says, um, he shows mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. They said, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord God in vain, for the Lord will, will not hold them guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Now, in emptiness or in vanity, that's like people be like, OM, OMG, 
I ain't say goodness. I try so hard to be, I say goodness. You know what I'm saying? Oh, gosh. But you know, you're not supposed to be like, um, oh, you know how to be like, oh, I hate to say it, but they'd be like, oh, for, for, for Christ's sakes. You know, like people say stupid crap like that. Like it's really, you know, like it's just very like they're not necessarily praying and they're not necessarily talking about them in a light, but they're just saying it just to say it. Yeah, that's what they mean by that. So like I said, some of these things is very simple so far. It's really not that hard. You know, it says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Well, this is what I'm going to try to get this show on. I'm going to try to do it as often as possible, but definitely Friday evenings into Saturday into the evening. You know, at some point there's going to be an episode that drops. We're going to try to keep the Sabbath holy. So what that means is um, Friday nights, you don't go out. The Sabbath ends Saturday at sundown. If you want to do something at that time, you want to go out for a bite to eat with friends. You want to go consume alcohol or something. I guess you're more than welcome to do that because, you know, it is kind of a... It's a journey. It's a destination. Nobody's going to expect you to be a goody-goody overnight. But that's what it means. You know, don't don't uh, have any sex. I mean, if you're already having sex, you know, whether it's marital and you're married and you're or premarital sex, you know, the point is keep it holy in that sense. It'd be like, nope, I'm not going to be doing that on that day. It's supposed to be a day where you're supposed to rest. But mostly the Lord would like you to reflect, have relation and communion with him. Um, and, you know, do like a praise and worship kind of. Bible study kind of thing, you know, just reflect though. And also it says six days right here. Shall that work connected to the Sabbath? You should work six days and do all that work. But the seventh day is a, is the Sabbath of the Lord God and it thou shalt do. Y'all shall not do any work. Not you, your son, your daughter, your manservant or your maidservant, your cattle or any stranger that is within your gates. For in six days. The Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that was in them, and rested the seventh day. <clears throat> it says, Honor your mother and your father, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord gives you. Don't kill. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't um, bear false witness against your neighbor, which means don't be lying on somebody talking about, or somebody paid you to say something that wasn't true, or saying, I saw so-and-so do this, and, I, and they didn't do that. This is really, to me, this is really simple stuff. If you think about it, that's why I'm like, okay, don't get so scared tomorrow. Oh my God, the commandments, the command. And then look, thou shalt not covet the neighbor's house. Don't be jealous of nobody. Don't be, don't be jealous of their house. Don't be jealous of their wife. Don't be jealous of their ox, their dog, their car, anything like that. Because jealousy leads to other things. So if you look at it, let's just real quick. Um, thou shalt not have no other guys before me. Um, I'm having engraved images. Um, thou shalt not take the Lord, the, the Lord God in vain. Remember the Sabbath. Um, honor your mother and father, don't kill, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't bear false witness against your neighbor, and thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house or anything. Don't be jealous of nobody. I feel like the Ten Commandments could be summed up in two great commandments or two golden rules, which is love God first with all your heart and soul, and two, treat others the way that you want to be treated. I don't really think that is any... And then they'd be like, and then, then, you know, Jesus would be like, well, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, title, or iota from, of the jot or jot from the, of the law will be taken away. But the law isn't just the Ten Commandments. That's why we're going to talk about Leviticus, and we're going to talk about the holidays, and we're going to talk about the feasts that we're supposed to observe, not these worldly ones that are pagan in tradition, and also the clean and unclean foods. But if you're talking about the Ten Commandments alone, like this ain't... This ain't hard. The only it says, and it says right here, that's why I have no other gods, little G. One God, one true God, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Don't be making no images or pictures or anything, especially black Jesus or white Jesus. No matter what color you think he is, you shouldn't be doing that. 
Okay, because if he doesn't look like that, it's kind of like catfish. You understand what I'm saying? You see how on catfish, if you ever see a show, like you're already looking at this image and you're like so fixated on this image. Yeah, the inside could be beautiful. So the same way you're like, oh, I love God's heart. I love Yeshua's heart. I love Jesus' heart. I love his heart. I love his heart. But if you're so caught up on this, like, you know, white face, uh, Caesar Borgia fake white thing or this, this um, image of black Jesus and you see him, it could be like a, I'm going to say it's like a catfish thing, but you're not supposed to do that. And then if he doesn't do that, what image were you worshiping? You know what I mean? Because that's somebody else's image at the end of the day. And that's, that doesn't bring in good light or positivity either. Okay. And don't take the Lord's name in vain. Wow. Well, I mean, just, just basically like, don't talk about me without, don't say my name without it. You actually talking to me or saying something profound to help somebody out. You know what I mean? Don't just be saying it just to be cool or just to, you know, tell my Jesus, Mary and Joseph. That you shouldn't say stuff like that. Okay? Remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. Honor your mother and your father. I mean, if you if you if you there wasn't when you were younger, if you didn't do it when you were younger, I think most people that became parents now are like, oh man, that mother father stuff. And yeah, so you, just so your days could be longer, don't kill anybody. I think we could all understand why. You know, even though people people do slip from these things, that's not to say that nobody does this. I'm just simply trying to show that these things are all untainable. And that's it. Oh, and then I seen something in the news the other day. I want to close out with this. With Farrakhan, who tweeted earlier this year. Boy, it's going to be a long episode. I'm so sorry, guys. But it was Farrakhan. As a Nation of Islam leader, Farrakhan made some kind of anti-semitic speech but it wasn't anti-semitic so basically what he basically said was um white folks are going down and satan is going down <laughs> and it said farrakhan by god's grace how has pulled the cover off that satanic jew and i'm here to say your time is up your world is through so <laughs> he later said yeah pretty much that's what he's basically said at the end of the day it's just like these jews up top is satanic and um, he said that they have a grip on the media, the banking industry. I mean, look them up. Look up the Ashkenazi Jews. Look at look at the Jews of today, especially the ones that are on top that run the world. They starting to call New York Jew York. I didn't say that. That's what they're saying because the Jews are coming up and they're buying everything and they're running everybody the hell out. Now, what I'm simply saying is if you look at the way they, the, I mean, I'm not saying that the, whoever they are, they are bad people, good people. I work with them. I know them. I live here in New York with some of them and some of them are really great friends. Don't get, don't, don't get it twisted. My mom works with them as well. All I'm simply saying is the, their attitude and the way they feel entitled to a lot of things and discounts and things. I mean, even the way that they're just so. Um, I'm with the people of the book, and you know, first of all, they, they just have a way about them that's just like if you just even the way they do the money thing with the greed, with the banking. Look up how they run the banks. It's not a joke anymore. It's not a lie. It's not a conspiracy. It is what it is. You know that doesn't seem like a godly people to me. This is a people that was set up there to make you not look for the real people. So when I see Farrakhan, who even he is starting to wake up because the nation of Islam itself is a whole another agenda meant to let uh, lead people astray as well. You know, but I feel like like Malcolm and a lot of them that was in there with Ma which Malcolm was not always on the right side when he came in. His agenda was different. They were using him, but then he started to woke, wake up and he started to start talking truth and light. And that's when everybody he used to even say, "You're the people of the book." He used to drop try to drop those um, gems and stuff in there. You got to listen to a lot of interviews. It's right there on the YouTube. He can't. They can't just say that because people that's gonna come out and off them. But
But I feel like at this point, Farrakhan is starting to realize that he got duped in, a, in the way a lot of people got duped, like Bill Cosby has gotten duped recently with these people on top that try to make you feel like go along to get along. But then after a while, you start to realize that these people really aren't on your side, that you kind of made a deal with the devil, so to speak. And so now he's starting to try to just expose something that a lot of us already knew Farrakhan. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, what are you going to do about it? He said, the powerful Jews are my enemies. White folks are going down and Satan is going down. He said, God's grace has pulled the cover off of that satanic Jew. And I'm here to say your time is up. Your world is through. I ain't even mad at him. All right, y'all. So that's it that I have for now. Um, I just want to make sure I covered everything because I had these little notes here with my little posties. Again, the episode might not have been that great. I'm still working on it, guys. Bear with me. But I appreciate all of you who um, have supported. And I wanted to give a special shout out to someone who have recently supported the episode. I cannot get to their name right now, but I will in the next episode. But I just want to thank you all so much. Those of you who are downloading and listening and giving a sister a chance. Thank you. Feel free to uh, reach out to me. I do have an IG, the prisoner of the Lord spelled out straight all right you have a blessed evening and i will see you a little later on here on who's on the lord's side